Welcome to the Why Weight Elevate podcast, where we share key information to help you lose weight the right way and then transition to a lifestyle that helps you keep it off. Our hosts are experts in obesity medicine and have collectively treated thousands of patients for obesity and are here to help you on your own journey. All four of us are busy parents, so we totally understand what it's like to try and live healthy while also trying to stay on top of the busy demands in our life. Thanks for taking time in your busy day to join us. As some of our hosts have medical licenses, we have a legal disclaimer to share with you. Here it is. Please note that our podcast is not intended to, and shouldn't be considered, a substitute for professional medical advice from a doctor or other qualified healthcare professional. You should always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare professional with questions you may have regarding your medical condition. You should not rely on this podcast for medical diagnosis or treatment, and you should never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of our content. This is Cheryl, and they are giving me the privilege of hosting today. And I want to talk about this article that came out with, uh, through NPR, and it's called Why Crash Weight Loss Programs Don't Work, Clues from Hunter and Gatherer Societies. And this is based on a book written by Herman Ponser, who was an evolutionary anthropologist at Duke University, and he has studied human metabolism for the, the vast majority of his career. So the cool. eternal question, what diet is best for weight loss? Ooh, is this a trick question? Or what should we eat or avoid to stay healthy? Avoid processed food. Okay. Which you would not have seen in the hunter-gatherer type. Okay. That is true. The whole foods. Yeah, I think you could put nine doctors in a room and every single doctor would have a different opinion. You'd have your like keto low carbs over here who would be like arguing for that venue. Mm -hmm. You'd have your vegans, vegetarians over here arguing for that venue, Mediterranean over here arguing. Um, What about the Twinkie? Diet. Yeah, the Twinkie does not work. <laughs> no, no sad, sad standard American diet. Prior to Quincy's statement about the Twinkie, what was the common factor that Cheryl was pointing out? All of them recommend avoiding the process Twinkie or so processed he's, he's food. standing yeah. by this. I know, and I, I, I agree with him. Yeah. You've got to get rid of the whole food, processed food. And I don't think it matters exactly what we eat, but the process of how your body uh, processes it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So one thing that was really interesting in this article that um, as you go down, I think it's like the third paragraph, it says that Herman Ponser argues that human metabolism has evolved to the point where how we eat and expend our calories is more important than all our collective obsession with what we eat. So what does that mean, Cheryl? Um, I think it means that we got to look at the, the not the machine, the, the body, not like a machine. Okay. Like for so long, we've been told your body's a machine, right? It's all Provided about in fuel. versus out. And if you want to lose weight, you just reduce the amount of fuel yeah. you're putting into the machine. Yeah, but that doesn't factor in all the intricate parts of our body where we have hormones and genetics and I can't even think of another word. Hormones, genetics, the process of which our body metabolizes everything. Yeah. We're a living object. We're not a stationary piece of machine we're, like you said we're an interplay of systems we we're not a, a bomb perimeter we are a system of systems <laughs> that does know what does not know the results of a bomb perimeter that is correct so in my head that that means okay so instead of being so focused on the calories mm-hmm. oh i can only have 500 calories today because that's an issue it's more kind of taking into account my body's certain state maybe my stress levels are really high and mm-hmm. so if i eat this food it's different than when i've exercised maybe i exercise i'm in a good um, low stress type of a situation, maybe my body will adjust differently. Yeah. Okay. So he says, okay, let's get rid of the machine. 
Okay. And let's look at the body like a business. And you have like finance over here and you have sales and production and everything over here. Well, if you have a deficit in funds and you can just kind of rearrange these other groups and, and that's how everything balances out. Well, your body's like that business. Okay. So if you have chronic inflammation, your body is going to go and try and clean up that chronic inflammation. And so it's not going to be able to lose weight because it's expending all of this energy on the chronic inflammation. Or recovering from surgery or... Or chronic stress. Or the fluctuation of your menstrual cycle. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I said that, not the females. <laughs> you should see the eye rolls. <laughs> <laughs> but all those different factors play a huge role in that weight gain. It's not just about the calories. It's more about where are those calories coming from? How does it affect us hormonally? And what else? What else is going on in our body? Mm-hmm. What is our body spending its energy doing? Okay, so here's one thing that I thought was really important with his um, his article. He's saying that one of the most startling findings is the notion of constrained daily energy expenditure. This is the idea that the human metabolism adapts to our activity levels to keep our daily calorie burn in a surprisingly narrow range. So no matter how hard you work out, your body's going to adjust to it. This is, yeah, this That's is huge okay. because people used to think like if you create a bigger deficit, right, right. calorie deficit by working out harder or longer. And eating less. Eating less. less then but here he says, um, as I quote, uh, if you're more physically active, eventually you don't burn more calories a day, but you change the way your calories are spent. If you spend your calories on exercise, that means you're spending fewer calories on other tasks. So mm-hmm. with the analogy of the business, it's pulling from maybe your brain function. Right. Or maybe it's pulling from this function over here mm-hmm. and it's focusing on using the calories in your body towards the exercise. So it's not really, I don't know, increasing the amount of calories being used because you're exercising, right? It's keeping their body at that same level. That's fascinating. It is. It, it, it's it's actually huge in this whole puzzle of weight loss. Yeah, because, and this is anecdotal. I don't have research to back this up, but in my clinical practice, what I'll see is these women who come in from years and years of chronic dieting. Most of them are restrictive eating um, and they're over-exercising like one to two hours every single day of the week. And they're still struggling with their weight. Oh, so why? How is that possible if it's a simple calculation of calories in versus calories out? Mm-hmm. Why is nobody ever willing to try to add more calories to get off that plateau or if I'm doing more, why can't I add more calories or more energy to see if it makes a change? Because Nobody's willing to do that. We've all bought into the diet mentality. Exactly. That's where it comes from is calories in, calories out. Or you're lazy or you're gluttonous. You're just sitting around doing nothing, eating all day. And this is your your fault. Wait a minute. I'm not dead. So that means I have to actually burn some type of energy mm-hmm. to keep me from not being dead. If you're not eating enough, your body goes into a stress mode and it goes into survival and it kind of clamps everything down, all of those hormones that regulate appetite, hunger, and whatnot. And then you don't lose weight because your body is stressed. It's stressed and it's shutting things down and it's shifting that communication of those calories from different systems and it's balancing. As long as the balance at the end, your body's happy with that overall balance, but it doesn't mean your body's functioning very well. Right. Is that correct? Right. I agree. And Herman Ponser later in the article also mentions, there's a question that's asked him, what does it mean for somebody who's trying to lose weight today? And he says, you know, if I start an exercise program tomorrow, I will burn extra calories from that exercise for a while. Then after a couple months, our bodies actually adjust. So we're spending the energy we were doing before we started the exercising. Mm -hmm. 
um, and even mentions somebody from The Biggest Loser and goes through that route well, as well. Well, he's The Biggest Loser. Let's, let's touch that yes. one really quick because yeah. that was a, pretty much like a landmark study. We had all of these contestants who came onto the show and they exercised hours and hours and hours and ate nearly nothing. Mm-hmm. And it, less sure, than 1,200 you, calories. It was, it was pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure, they got fantastic results. I mean, they were dropping 15, 30 pounds in a week yeah but it comes at a cost Mm -hmm. because now we've we've looked at all of those contestants and the vast majority of them have gained that weight back yes in fact one of my patients actually was on it and her goal was to do it to be able to get pregnant and wasn't able to get pregnant obviously other factors go into play but when she was losing all that weight couldn't get pregnant regain most of it back we started changing how we're using the energy, types of fuels, kind of regulating some of those other processes, and she was able to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about putting less in and trying to burn more, even though that's the, the dogma that we're always taught. And there's a lot of people out there who do have good success with it, who are insulin sensitive. Right. Most of the people who struggle are the insulin resistance part. So again, going back to the hormonal aspect, and there's di- multiple factors, like we've said over and over and over, that play a role with this whole aspect of weight loss. So what what does this mean then if I'm trying to lose weight, how does my exercise stand versus like, let's say I've already gotten to the where I want to be in a weight perspective, what kind of exercise does that play? I think he talks a little bit about that in here, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. He does, but always my perspective, the... In, or muscles can become insulin resistant early because if we're not using it. But when you start being more active, it can become insulin resistant, or excuse me, insulin resistant at first becomes more insulin sensitive. And the more you're active, you're using it, you, those uh, muscle starts using energy more effectively and more often. So it can help. But your body is going to balance out and not just burn at a higher level. It's we're trying to reserve energy overall. So your body is adjust how much energy it's going to need to do those things. Yeah. And he argues that if you're in a weight loss phase, you sh- exercise really is not a huge role. Okay. It's not a huge player. Exactly. And, and we know that from there, there's research to back this up mm-hmm. and we see it in our practice every single day. Yes. So if you're in a weight loss phase, then I would focus more on the dietary changes. Yes. If you are in a maintenance phase, this is when exercise becomes key. It becomes like the rhythm, the steady beat that keeps you moving in the right path. It also helps with your stress levels, Mm -hmm. helps you sleep better. It it regulates how your body controls your hunger, all those hunger cues, satiety triggers. So we advocate for focusing on diet first. Yes. And then incorporating exercise in a Mm -hmm. way that that you enjoy. And really, When they're ready and they feel like, I always tell patients when they're ready, they got an itch to do something, great, go do it and do something they're willing to do. Yes, there's different studies on the different types of exercises and whatever. Do what you like to do, because you're more likely to do it. Okay. Agreed. Anything else we wanted to discuss on this article? Um, it, it was kind of random, but he compared pregnant women to the I Tour de France. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he compared it to, to riding a Tour de France and burning like six to 7,000 calories a day when you're pregnant. And then the huge energy expenditure and tax that your, your body takes um, through pregnancy. That's and, incredible. and why women can't just 
bounce back like we see uh, the celebrities and whatnot like right after a baby <laughs> yeah. it, it, that have been modified on the pictures you see yeah exactly that's a whole nother topic <laughs> yes but because they're i mean woman's body is still used to spending all this energy and now they're going to not having the baby and that just make help me understand that so it's after they have the baby their body's still trying to expend that amount of energy no or? no he's just saying during the pregnancy okay th- that's when the the metabolism is revved up okay okay and and that energy expenditure that that costs the mom. Yeah. Um, but then after you deliver, things are so. I mean, you still have to recover. Well, yeah. I mean, you think nine months of this, it's not. A, it's a stress and a strain to the body. Yeah. And so nine months, it's going to take that long to recover, if not a little bit longer. I thought was, as soon as you walked out of the hospital, everything was back <laughs> to normal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you're Doesn't a dude. Work that way. <laughs> Does not work that way. I, I'm. Being sarcastic with that comment, but that's where a lot of people go, oh, it should be nice and quick and easy. Mm -hmm. Like Cheryl said, it took them nine months to get to that point. You're not going to fix yourself. It should take at least nine months to get back, if not longer. Yeah, you you were talking to me about this. Like It's almost two years before your body is fully recovered Mm -hmm, from pregnancy and postpartum. And And breastfeeding and everything that comes with it. Yeah, exactly. So when you're breastfeeding after... That's when you start that two years. It's not when you deliver. It's what's everything after that the whole pregnancy-related issues are now done. Now you need two years to recover from that whole process. Mm-hmm. Of If you're having a hard time getting pregnant and the hormones that were given you to try to get you pregnant, that's part of that recovery. So if it took you longer than nine months, it's going to take you a heck of a lot longer to recover from it. Right. All right, guys, this was a great podcast. So much fun. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for hosting. <laughs> Turn it over to her Anytime. more often. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us on the Why Way Elevate podcast. We want to hear what you think about this episode and encourage you to continue the discussion in our Facebook group. The name of the group is Community of People Elevating Their Mind and Body to Lose Weight. Or you can search for our Facebook page, Why Way Elevate, and our group is linked on that page. Also, if you found this episode to be helpful, can you share it with your friends that you think would appreciate listening to it? And if you found our podcast to be helpful, we would love it if you could leave us a review. It really helps others hear about this podcast, and we really want to help as many people as we can. Thank you.